It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, we take a look back at the Iowa game against Michigan as the Hawkeyes fall 27-14 to the Wolverines. How much do we blame officiating for what happened in the football game and a look towards the future of Iowa football? All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon with you here today. We'll have LaShawn Daniels joining us later in the week. We also hear from my buddy Jace as uh, we will talk Hawkeyes with you all throughout the week. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available daily throughout the course of the week. And I'd also like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply getting into it here today thanks for joining us on the podcast side of things you can also see us on youtube just search locked on hawkeyes there thanks for joining us over there and if you have a moment just hit that subscribe button helps us out and helps us reach more people out there as we talk Hawkeyes with you each and every day. Let's get into it here as Iowa Falls 27-14 to Michigan. Obviously a disappointing day. I was in Kinnick Stadium again uh, for the football game, not as a media member, as a fan like you, and uh, a lot of frustrations certainly there. Frustrations about the way the game played out. Beautiful day in Kinnick Stadium. I mean, it's it's what you wait all season for. You know, all off season, the long grind of it, getting back into football season, you have a big-time opponent, another top-five opponent coming in, and it plays out in that fashion. Iowa gets down 20 to nothing in the football game, 27-7, before the late touchdown with a few seconds left on the clock as they fall 27-14. to So well, let's kind of go through uh, what we saw and, and some of the frustrations, I, I'm sure, that are for the, you, the fan, right now, and some of the things that obviously jumped out, uh, both at Kinnick Stadium and then re-watching the game again on Sunday night to get just a little bit more of a perspective on, on what we saw. And really one of the first things, is starting in the opening drive, what Michigan was able to do. You know, the vaunted Hawkeye defense that we talked about so much this season, just how good they were. One thing that I did warn a little bit about last week is the teams that they played up until this point, uh, starting with South Dakota State, Iowa State after that, of course, the game against Nevada, and then Rutgers. They have not played a great offense to this point. I don't even know if they played a good defense to this point. And we saw a good defense, certainly, uh, offense, excuse me, in Michigan coming onto the field. They ran the ball right down Iowa's throat, and they were able to do whatever they wanted. Blake Corum just continuing to grind out those tough yards, time in and time out. Looked like you had him stopped at the line. He still gets four. Looks like you got him stopped for three. He's got seven. Maybe you had him stopped at the line to gain a yard short, and he bursts through and gets those first downs. I mean, there were just so many of those plays throughout the course of the game, and it started with the first possessions. They march right down the field, take a 7 nothing lead. They use the under end-around play and jump out. Was there a holdout in the edge? Yeah, there probably was, but again, there could be holding out every single play. We'll talk about officiating a little bit later here today because I know for a lot of people, that is a big part of the conversation. So Iowa goes out, second drive, same thing. They're moving right down the field. They're at midfield, and well, luckily for Iowa, 
J.J. McCarthy tripped over his center's foot and went back. Second and 15 after that, they worked behind the chains. And just after that, I was able to go and uh, at least get the football back. So it's 7 nothing. I was got a good opportunity. They have Lachey wide open up the seam, and it's a missed pass. And you look at the final numbers for the quarterback, Spencer Petras, and they're going to look okay. And okay, not great, but better than certainly what we've seen this season, better than probably any game that he's played dating back to that Friday night against Maryland a year ago. Okay, that's a positive. But those are the throws that were missed. Up the seam, it is a simple throw for a fifth-year quarterback. And there was another awful throw, him rolling out to his left. This is something that he struggled with, the stop routes or the out routes on the on either wide side of the field. On the move, moving to his left, he's been brutal his whole career, moving that direction, yet they continue to roll him out that way. And he's been even worse this season. And what does he do? He sails the pass. It's incomplete. Now, not only that, wouldn't have been a first down. It was a third down pass. But two terrible plays, two terrible throws that thwarted a drive for Iowa. Iowa punts it away. Chance to pin them deep. They added it at the 42. Of course, do nothing. It's third and 10, then fourth and 10 after the incompletion. And Torrey Taylor hits one, hits at the two-yard line. Normally, Terry Roberts is there. He's working his way back from injury. Maybe if he's not banged up, he gets down there and catches that ball the two. Alas, that is not the case. And what happens after that, again, it's more of the same. Punts goes into the end zone. Michigan misses a touchdown pass. They jump up 10-0, and they're thoroughly dominating this football game at this point. They are absolutely manhandling Iowa at the line of scrimmage. Iowa's struggling to run the football. Even if there is a couple of plays out there offensively, Petrus is missing. This is domination at 10-0. Iowa gets the ball back. It's 10-0. You got hope again. All right. Get something going. You're at least hanging around, right? I was got a chance to hang around. And so many of the upsets that they've had, those top five upsets that we talked about at Kinnick Stadium, they came with just that, hanging around. 2008 against Penn State. They're down 10 nothing at the half. They were not even close to the same ballpark of a football team in the first half of that game as Penn State. But they hung around. They allowed Penn State to, to not get out too far in front of them. And, and maybe it had that feeling. As much as Michigan was dominating that football game, there was a chance just a chance that Iowa could hang around and make a play. But there's going to be some things that out there certainly change that. Dubious hold call on Caleb Johnson had a 22-yard run, brought it into Michigan territory. That was brought back. Then later that same drive, there was a clipping penalty against Connor Colby. Look, you heard it from both the, the crew on the game with Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson, along with uh, when they went to Mike Pereira, talking about, look, that, that's a cut block inside the box. So the tackle box, that is a legal play. And the penalty flag came in. Another dubious call that went against Iowa. Go down, 13-0, another drive. Uh, there was a touchdown pass that Michigan just overthrew from McCarthy. Ultimately, the holding to field goal is 13-0. Then Iowa uses the fake kneel down. Okay, all right. Now that's going to allow Spencer Petras to get knocked around uh, anytime he tried to kneel it down going forward. They try it, works for six yards. So Iowa goes to the locker room, down 13-0. They have 90 yards of total offense, and yet... The conversation was offensive line's playing better outside of the penalties. This team's moving the football better than we anticipated. They had 90 yards, but that's what it was. So I go to the same spot every single game. It's where this game, the uh, crew for Big Noon Kickoff for Fox, they were all hanging out there. It was Urban Meyer and Reggie Bush, Matt Leinert and Rob Stone, and they were hanging out there. So I always go to that corner, meet with a bunch of friends, our group that sits together and then other people that mill around that have seats in different parts of the stadium. We all meet there and we talk about the first half. And, and that was a consensus. Hey, we're hanging around. They're outplaying us. They're a lot better. But just maybe 
this is one of those Kirk specials where, where you just find a way and it very quickly changed. So you come out to start the third quarter. You get the football, something that is a bit of a rarity. Iowa gets the football to start, something that doesn't happen often in the Kirk Ferentz 24 years. But you do. And when you do, what happens? First play, sack. This is another one. Again, if you just look at the final numbers, hey, maybe it looks like Spencer Petrus is getting better. This is an easy play. Pockets there. Got his first read. Out route, long out route, but he is open and he doesn't pull the trigger. Sacked. Drive is dead. Three and out. Give it right back. So it's down 20 nothing after that. Michigan comes down after 20 nothing, and there was nearly a pick six after that. Another terrible throw by Petrus. So you're noticing we're running into a little bit of some commonality here. It's again back to the quarterback. Even with those final numbers, just the missed throws, the missed opportunities that were there, and the frustration that certainly happened. After the pick six, Reganey open in the end zone, gets to the two, and then another penalty. Just Logan Jones blocking too hard. Got a personal foul call. It was the center judge and an extra position that was added by officiating. So one of my best friends is an official. In fact, he used to be the red hat on the field also uh, for games. So that guy that you're yelling at during TV timeouts to hurry it up, he was the guy that you're yelling at years ago. He's that guy. Those officiating incredibly well. He's a high-level official here at the high school level in the state. Calls a lot of big games. Is he a college official? No, but those officiating. And I, I asked him, so what does this see? What is the center judge? And it was basically an extra, extra set of eyes out there to watch line play and those kind of things. It was bad. The center judge was bad. She really struggled in the game. But she wasn't alone. This officiating crew, they had their problems. But we're going to talk about officials a little bit later on. This one, I thought, though, by far was the most egregious. This is Logan Jones blocking to the whistle. Not only that, you saw the defensive player that he was blocking that came in on the blitz there. He had a hold of Logan Jones. As they were going to the ground, he had his arm wrapped around the back of Logan Jones as he takes him down and pancake blocks him. That one, that was frustration. Now, the good news is Iowa ends up scoring on the drives. They come back even after the penalty. They end up scoring. So you can't get too upset about it. The end game is still what it was. Right after that, though, this is complimentary football. You have a long drive. It ends in a touchdown. Caleb Johnson gets in again. Iowa didn't utilize him, I don't think, enough. He was obviously, as I said this week, leading up to the football game. He is your only impact player offensively. They didn't use him a lot enough. If Iowa had any chance in the game, this is going to be one where you had to have Caleb Johnson touching the ball 20, 22, 25 times. They didn't do that. They didn't have the football long enough, but that was the guy they needed to get involved. Gavin Williams played a couple of snaps. LaShawn Williams, a fine player. Caleb Johnson can be a difference maker. You need to find a way. If I was going to have any hope of even maybe being a bold team this year, Caleb Johnson is going to be a big reason for that. And the defense comes out after actually getting a rest, something that has been a rarity this season after the long touchdown drive to make it 27. They get a three and out. They get the football back. They got the seam up double covered to Lachey. Lachey makes an incredible play, breaks through a tackle, nearly another. And in fact, if Laporta wasn't out there, maybe he goes the different distance because he kind of ran into him. Regardless, Iowa gets the ball. They're moving. Momentum's there. Crowd's getting back into it. Here we go. And then it's just methodical. It is slow moving. It is just that grind of Iowa football and the offense under Brian Ferentz that we've seen now for five years where it just seems so difficult just to do things. Third and seven, beautiful run out of the shotgun to uh, the aforementioned uh, Williams as he was able to get the first down. It was four down territory, really smart play call there. Maybe the best play call of the day 
for Brian Ferentz came on that call. I loved what they did there, running out of the shotgun, something that's also a rarity, running away from your tendencies. Great play there, and they get it. So they get to the 18 with nine minutes left. First and 14 with 8.09 left. First and, first and 10 from the 14 with the 8.09 left. And again, they're just eating clock and eating clock and huddling up. You're still down 20 to 7. You still need two scores. Now, the defense was playing better. Michigan was maybe starting to turtle up a little bit offensively and, and not opening up the whole playbook. But, okay, I get it. But now you're asking your defense again to be perfect. And how many times we talk about this of having to be perfect because your offense is on the field and just taking the play clock down. You're huddling up and you're down and you're using 40 seconds every single time. So it gets to fourth and two, and we know it happens. First of all, offensive pass interference, dubious in its own right. But it's a brutal throw. Laporte is there. He's open. You hit him on the numbers, it's a first down. Hit him in the numbers, it might be a touchdown. If you hit him in the inside, I think it is a touchdown misses the throw and another missed throw by Spencer Petrus. Now, ultimately it didn't matter because they called offensive pass interference. Again, I didn't like the call, but you understand they're going to do that in a play like that. Even though Arlen Bruce was being held more than he was doing any kind of blocking on the play, those kind of flags come out all the time. And from there it's over. It's over at that point. Yeah. Late touchdown. Good for Lachey to get a couple of more uh, catches, including the touchdown there. But we know how it ends. 27-14, the third and two touchdown by Blake Corum. Iowa comes down the field. And, and you get to see in that final drive. I mean, this is what the coaches see, right, in practice. There's no pressure after they had the drive at 20-7, to got the football back. Connor Colby got abused on that drive. They get it back 27-7, go right down the field because, well, first of all, their best defensive player that day came out of the game. He got banged up a little bit. So the guy that was abusing Connor Colby on the side – he was able to go out of the game in Iowa and without any pressure and playing just a, a very base kind of soft zone defense. Of course, yeah, that's the time that Spencer Petrus looks good. That's not reality. And we saw that throughout the course of the game. Iowa loses it 27-14. And now we go from the individual game, we go a little big picture. We'll do that as we continue here. We'll talk about that officiating. How much do we want to blame the officials for that loss? How much do we point to that? We'll do that as we continue here in a moment. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. As a small business owner, that free one definitely jumps off the page to you, and I'm sure it does also for everybody out there listening. It's easy to put it together. Get that job post up there. You can do it in minutes. Time, always so valuable. Don't want to waste a lot of time. You don't have to worry about figuring out websites, things like that. LinkedIn Jobs makes it incredibly easy for you. Add your job and the purple, purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. 
getting towards the end of the year. Want to get that right team member in place? The time to do it is right now. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find those qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. Again, LinkedIn.com slash College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Trent Cotton back with you once again here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast as we continue on a look back at Michigan and a look forward. So one final part of the Michigan game was the officiating. And to be frank, I was incredibly disappointed to hear the excuses from Kirk Ferentz because the whole postgame press conference was about that. Uh, Listening to his conversation on radio after the game with Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak, it was a lot about the officiating. Did Iowa get a bad whistle? They did. That's not what it is. But... It's such a loser mentality. It's something that I has always struggled with in any conversation about sports is blaming officials for losses. First of all, there's the part of it that seems to seep in where, oh boy, you know, with gambling, no, it's not that. For every Tim Donahue, there are thousands of officials that are not fixing games, that are not doing anything like that. And too many times for me, it seeps into that territory. I know the gambling space well. I know people involved in it, and because of that, I know what is in place to negate those kind of factors and what you're going to see. So I, I just I really struggle with that part of it. But there could be bad whistles all over the place, and it doesn't matter the sport. You know, basketball is by far the most difficult sport to officiate. I've officiated basketball, I've umpired baseball and softball. I've done a lot of things on the officiating level as well. And I will tell you, yes, it's difficult, but do you think this officiating crew really has an edict from the Big Ten that makes sure that Michigan wins? I got called on some bad calls. It's going to happen. You got to work through it. And, and the problem with the way that I was built is they're not good enough right now to do it. They're not good enough. But again, you were outplayed by Michigan. That's the that's the starting point. The starting point is not officiating. The starting point is you were manhandled at the line of scrimmage. They were better both offensively and defensively on the line. And ultimately, that was the difference in this football game. Could it? have been different with the different result. It could have, but there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. I told you the Logan Jones one, that one drove me nuts. And it ultimately didn't matter because Iowa ended the drive with the touchdown. That's a football play. But we got Kirk again talking about the tripping call or the clipping call that was called on Connor Colby. It was a good play. It was not a clip. It was not anything that we talked about with the zone blocking scheme and doing things illegal and the change of rules. That's not what this is. This is a bad call. It was a bad call, but those are going to happen over the course of the game. Iowa, because their offense stinks so much, though, they can't overcome it. That's a you problem. Instead of blaming the officials, figure out a way, and this is something that has driven me nuts now the last five years as the rule has changed in blocking with the zone blocking scheme. You have to evolve. Evolve or die, right? And Iowa offensively is dying. Worst offense in the country. They had a high watermark of 290 yards. A lot of them came late in the game as Michigan was in complete control of it, but you're still bad. Though improving, you're still bad. And because you're not good enough to overcome it, that's the problem. If you're good, if you put your players in a place where they can succeed, you can overcome these things. But Iowa, they're built in a fashion that that's not going to happen. I understand the frustration, but this is not what it is. You lost the football game, not because of the officials. You lost it because you have an offensive coordinator, that still doesn't know what he's doing. Five years later, and what are we trying to do? What, what's the end game? What is Iowa, what is their mentality? Oh, they can't run the football. 
They can't throw the football. They don't have a quarterback that can move. They don't have a quarterback that can make easy completions. You don't have wide receivers that can make separation. You have a young offensive line that's starting five sophomores or a redshirt freshman in there at times. You're very young up front. What's your identity? You don't have one. You don't have an identity. That is a problem with your offensive coordinator when this is the fashion that you're set up. So instead of blaming officials, look at yourself a little bit. Now, incredibly disappointed that that's where Kirk was and the whole tenor of the press conference was about that. It's been at 24 years. You're going to get bad whistles. He knows that. Now, also, I was got some good ones in the past. I mean, they had some calls go their way. Now, what if Bosa doesn't get ejected in the 2017 win against Ohio State, 55-24? How different does that game look? Remember, it was nip talk until that happened. We might, might we, I don't think we'd be talking about Iowa putting 55 up on the board if Bosa was still out there. If these kind of things certainly happen all the time. And to think that I was the only one that gets a bad whistle, I mean, it's just, it's incredibly unlikely. It's a loser mentality, and I was just disappointed to see it. There's other reasons that you can point to that are much more important. And the way your program is built right now and the way they're built offensively is a bigger reason you lost this football game as opposed to blaming the officials. We'll wrap things up here on the other side. We'll take a look at the future. Those frustrations that are out there, what can change? What is going to look different? Can Iowa get to a bowl game? That's a big question. Illinois coming up on tap this week. We'll do that as we continue in a moment. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Bet Online, your number one source for football betting information this season. You can find the latest player developments, team matchup news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your wagering information. They have live betting up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. Major League Baseball, final week happening this week. Back. Coming up this weekend, starting Friday, we got the playoffs, MMA, boxing, golf, you name it, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, as mentioned, welcome back again here to the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Trent Condon with you. The future. And it's a question that can be difficult. I love Kirk Ferentz, what he's done to the program, the positives that have come the championships that have been won, the consistency of the program year in and year out. We know that we're in good shape. And, and this is something that I think as many Hawkeye fans and people you know, of my age range and, and certainly people much older, you know, the people that sat through the football games of the 60s and in the 70s and how bad it was and the 19th straight non-winning seasons and still making their way to well, old Iowa Stadium at the time, Kinnick Stadium, to watch that football team. You know, there wasn't much hope. And that's... Sitting in the stands, there wasn't a lot of hope. Down 20 to 7 even. Even as I was driving, there was a whole lot of, eh, we'll see. It's it's frustrating to watch this football team. To try to figure things out offensively. The offense has not been good for five years. And there's been a consistent during that time. Iowa, they were middle of the pack offensively when Ken O'Keefe was the offensive coordinator. I know there were plenty of people that were calling for his firing. That 
ultimately never happened. He left to take a job with the Miami Dolphins, but people got what they want. And then Kirk brings in Greg Davis and they try to marry his so short blocking or uh, passing game with his own blocking scheme. And it wasn't pretty. And it was awful right away in that first season where he saw James Vandenberg after throwing what 27 touchdowns in the first year, dropped down to like eight in the year that Greg Davis came in. It, it was frustrating and it never meshed and married very well. And then you bring in Brian and the talk and the, the way that people try to sell this that, well, you know, as the sun He'll be able to talk to Kirk a different way, and he'll help him evolve and change, and we've seen none of that. In fact, it's got worse, a whole lot worse. As bad as it was at times under O'Keefe, and as bad as it was under Greg Davis, this has been nothing short but a disaster. The frustration, though, and the disappointment is what his last name is. It's Ference. We know Kirk as a person, and not just as a football coach. 24 years, you get to know a guy. You know about loyalty. You know about family. You know about how he builds a football program. Kirk Ferentz is a good person. And as a good person, how difficult it would be to look your son in the eye, your flesh and blood, and say, son, you got to leave. I got to let you go. Is that going to happen? Not the Kirk Ferentz that I know. Not the Kirk Ferentz that you know. Ah, yes, but Gary Barda is the superior. And when this was put into place and, and to get around the nepotism rules that are in place for a reason at the university, by the way, in order to do this, in order to give Kirk what he wanted, this is what we're going to do. Gary Barta is actually his superior. This is who he has to answer to. Come on. Then Gary Barta is going to come in and tell Kirk, I'm going to fire your son. We know that's not going to happen. So there's a couple of courses here. Either Brian can look around, have a little bit of inside knowledge and understand just how bad this is and that it's not working and resign, take another job, whatever it turns out to be, or it's going to be back to the same. I'll tell you, if it's back to the same, if it's another season of this, if it's another season of frustrations, if there is no hope, if there's no evolution, if it's the same old crap that we've seen for the last five years, things are going to get ugly in Kinnick Stadium. We know they're not going to change the quarterback. And as many throws as Spencer Peters missed, he'll just look at the stat sheet and say, oh, no, it's getting better. We know it's really not. And the offensive line's getting better. It is. Still not great, but it's getting better. And you'll continue to bang your head against the wall, and it'll be the same stuff. And you'll be frustrated, and I'll be frustrated. But the reality is, this is what we have. Reminds me a lot, and a lot of the conversations that I continue to hear with people is back at the end of the Dr. Tom time. It was time for Dr. Tom to go. He had reached a plateau that he wasn't going to get past. Yes, he made a sweet 16 in his final season, but also look back at that year. Look back at, first of all, the seed that they were given. And you look at the overall power numbers, probably wouldn't have been a five seed in most NCAA tournaments, but they got a good seed. And they made the most of it. And they upset Arkansas in the round of 32, and they gave UConn, who won the national championship that year, a hell of a run in the sweet 16. But it was time. They made the wrong choice in Steve Alford. He was a terrible fit and maybe in a worse person. It didn't work out. And that, I think, is why there's a lot of Hawkeye fans out there that don't want to push for the change. Because Kirk Ferentz has meant so much. Because he's done so many good things. And because he runs a good program. And you know, if you don't make that right hire, how bad it can get. And it went from Alford and went to worse with Todd Licklider. And we finally got rid of Alford. And then it went even down to a further level. And that's a realistic scenario for Iowa football. Now, there is no sure things. A recruiting base that's incredibly small. 
an evolving Big Ten that continues to change. And the NIL space and the way that the transfer portal now works, how different things can be with a different coach. It can change and can go bad quickly. So I understand certainly that part of it. And this is not me saying that Kirk needs to go. That's not where I am right now. But as college football continues to change and evolve, is Kirk willing to do it with it? And you go back using two timeouts in the football game to yell at the officials. Is he more concerned at this point about yelling at officials? Or trying to win football games in the current environment? Just a question to ponder. Yes, he wants to win. That's not what I'm saying. But just something. The football that Kirk won with, college football as we knew it when he was winning at its highest level, it's not here anymore. It has changed. It has changed quickly. We've seen the most change in college football over the last three years than we've seen in the 100 years previous. Is Kirk Ferentz the guy that's going to evolve with it? The scary spot is if this continues to go south. This year, it's a fight to get bowl eligibility. They're going to only be favored now in two games. Illinois is the favorite this week. They're favored against Northwestern. They're favored against Nebraska. That's it right now. That's it. Well, they only have three wins. Five and seven. Is that enough? We saw changes after the four and eight year. That was when they went to the well and they made some big wholesale changes to the program and the way that they did things. Will this be enough? Would missing a bowl game be enough? At this point, the stubborn Kirk that we've seen, certainly as he's gotten older, I'm not so sure. It's a little bit of a down note. LaShawn will be with us tomorrow. We will break things down with him, his thoughts on the loss to Michigan and what the program does from here. We'll do that as the week continues on. Certainly a lot going on. Hey, Big Ten fans, we got you covered also on the Locked On Network with Locked On Big Ten. Nate Dickinson takes you around the Big Ten in 30 minutes each and every day. Talking Hawkeyes and everything else. You want to start to get ready for the Illinois game and how Brett Bielema has got things going. How about Bielema, huh? Guy's evolved. He's changed. He's adapted. and. He just put it on Wisconsin over the weekend, leading to the firing of Paul Chris. We'll also talk about that a little bit later on this week, but bit locked on big 10 has you covered with that big story. Two coaches already fired from the big 10 West Paul Chris gone from Wisconsin. And of course, a couple weeks ago with Scott Frost being fired at Nebraska changes evolution and same old, same old in Iowa City. Thanks for making Lockdown Big Ten your first listen each and every day. Back with you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching and listening. Again, hit that subscribe button on YouTube and go Hawks. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 